श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय सिंह भगवान की जय और भक्त वृंद की जय गोल प्रेमानंदे हरि बो सो इवनिंग एवरीवन एंड वेलकम वार्मली टुडे वी बिगिन आवर डिस्कशन एंड फेस्टिविटीज कंसर्निंग सेंटर्ड अराउंड द सेलिब्रेटेड अपीयरेंस ऑफ भगवान Narasimha Narasimha and I'd like to preface the discussion in with some length um by underscoring the point that in in uh, as we proceed now we more so perhaps than before but this is the idea days like this will help us leave the objective world and enter into the deep way within the subjective world mm. and this is the realm of the uh, sacred texts of india they're compiled composed um with that in mind mm. and there of course <coughs> excuse me in the subjective world you can find a man with a lion's head hmm who is god as possible hmm what all that means we try to do just touch the tip of that in our discussions proper used to say in the you didn't use exactly the same words but you try to follow me i'm saying exactly what he said in the objective world you can find gold and you can find a mountain but you cannot find a golden mountain if you do well you'd be quite wealthy right but in a subjective world that you can find a golden mountain very easily hmm. the unfortunate thing today of course is that this thought that the objective world is the real world hmm. you know but the uh, the puranas and the bhagavat uh, which is the center of that pranic literature and all the sacred texts have a very different idea their idea is that the subjective world is the real world and the objective world is really a false world hmm? and so we enter into a tale a tall tale of uh, a man with a lion's head it would it appear hmm? perhaps an old dusty book to be left in the dust as modern times go on and we examine and explore the objective world the real world as it's thought for all that it's really about hmm? but that is to misunderstand that the bhagavat and other such texts are in some type of competition with the modern methodologies and purposes hmm? with which by which for which the external world or the objective world is examined in detail from microscopes to telescopes and and so on mm-hmm. it is not that the the bhagavad even as it does speak about the objective world mm-hmm. is in some type of competition with the way as i say in which modern science is looking at it and they're coming up with different conclusions pursuing the same thing mm-hmm. and different answers and these two answers are in competition this is not really the case bhagavad has an entirely different purpose in mind entirely different tools hmm, used for examining the world to derive something very different from it hmm, than uh modern science which we owe a debt to as much as we live to some extent even as vaishnavas in the virtual world of material existence and that we have to acknowledge hmm? at least for some time and accordingly we bow to the findings the information that derived from modern scientific methods that in the hands of technology make the virtual world a little more comfortable hmm hmm but Hmm. we 
bow to them with limitations because we have on our altar another deity altogether before for whom we lay prostrate. Hmm. And it is him and our very selves in our relationship with him that the Bhagavad seeks to bring out in all of its discussion of the objective world. There are some very uh, good examples in the, in the Bhagavatam um, to go through a couple. Briefly, the world is described, for example, in more than one place in the Bhagavatam as a meditation on God. Hmm? See the universe as the form of God, and his eyes are the sun and the moon, and the trees are the hairs on his body, and the mountains are the bones, and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Elaborate descriptions like this. Hmm? So it's, it's looking at the world to find, to, to draw out of the world hmm, ourselves, to extract us from the maze of matter. Hmm? to locate us within the virtual world, say something about it in such a way that we could understand it's a virtual world, hmm? not the real world. Hmm. <coughs> it has this in mind. In the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam, Prikshit Maharaj asks, tell me about the material nature and uh, this idea of the virat, the universe, the external world, the objective world. Hmm? If we study the language carefully, as Sri Vishwanath Thakur has stated, Prikshit Maharaj asks not on behalf of himself, but on behalf of others who are present in the audience, who do not have adhikar, or full eligibility, for bhakti, which gives one eligibility to meditate directly on the form of the Lord. in his various forms, as the Archibigras, the deity, for example, and so forth. Hmm? In the crowd, there was a mixed audience. So there are some yogis who have some bhakti mixed with yoga, or yoga mixed with bhakti. Hmm? And he has explained there, Chakravati Thakur, that, that Sukadeva then explained in consideration of that a very kind of subtle description of the universe that that. Uh, served as a type of meditation for mystic yogins on God. Hmm? If you study the yogic literatures and so forth, you find they're full of all kinds of mysterious type, subtle hmm, chakras and uh, and uh, the whole subtle body is explored in the pursuit of omniscience and in yoga sadhana. Hmm? to know the external world and the, the control of the mind, for example, the subtle the subtle realm and all the internal organs and the subtle organ, the subtle body, to be acquainted with it and, and, and mystically, as it would appear, hmm, move within the subtle realm and appear elsewhere in the objective realm and so on and so forth. Hmm? Subtle here, object, subjective here, referring to the subtler uh, forms of matter but not consciousness proper. So. That's the kind of thing that is being described there, according to Vishwanath Chakraditaka, one of our gurus. Hmm? And, uh, of course, it can be looked at in other ways for different purposes, as Prabhupada sometimes did for preaching some ideas he had. Hmm? But his idea was the idea I'm talking about, that, 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 uh, that while there, uh, there is some competition between the Bhagavad's way of looking at the world and ours, I say it's not head-to-head trying to do the exact same thing. Come in. Hmm? It's trying to do something very different. But the different what the two are doing is what's in competition. Whether what modern science is doing by its examination with its tools of the objective world hmm, is more valuable to human society, more meaningful, more fulfilling ultimately to human society, than the Bhagavatam's way of examining, looking at um, the external world. Hmm? Is that more fulfilling? Does that bring more meaning to human life? Hmm? Does that improve it qualitatively? Hmm? 
This is the issue. And, of course, if we look at it from the scientific world, exclusively through that lens, the Atma, to speak of the Paramatma, will never be seen. So if you only look in that way, you will not find the soul. And, as is often thought in those circles, because of not being able to find the soul, the world has no meaning. This is the conclusion. If there's no soul, this is the conclusion, the world has no meaning. We agree. Hmm? <laughs> we agree with that. If the world has no soul, it has. Therefore, we don't, we don't, we don't look in that direction seriously. Hmm? We think that is a folly, brand for good reason. Hmm? And the Bhagavatam offers us other tools, hmm? another way of looking at the world, as I say, by which the Atma, the soul, which is a unit of value and meaning itself, hmm, as I often say. Matter only matters if it matters to us. It doesn't matter independently. It requires consciousness. <clears throat> so the, the meaning lies in consciousness. That is subjective. <clears throat> and Bhagavad is meant to bring that out, as I say, to separate, to, to extra, extricate the, the, the Atma from the maze of matter, to unplug the virtual world, so to speak, and find out that, uh, you're living in God's dream. Hmm? That's a different perspective. Hmm? Oh, <laughs> it's not all about me. Hmm? And what am I? Hmm? And I do exist, and it's meaningful, and so forth. So this is really what the Bhagavatam is about. Hmm? It's a very different uh, approach, and it's the two approaches that are in competition. Hmm? And there's there's no... There's no question who wins. Hmm? If we say, which one will bring more meaning, then it's over. <laughs> one comes to the conclusion there's no meaning. Hmm? It's just, it, there's no more meaning, that means, than there would be to a, a, um, a, a machine or a computer with no, a robot with no feeling. Hmm? No, real, no real self there. Hmm? If a robot dies, I mean, you know, there's not a funeral for the robot, right? The only reason there would be a funeral for a robot is because we fell in love with the robot, and we're consciousness, and we projected our consciousness into the robot, and identified with it, and suddenly it takes on meaning and value and has feelings. We think and feel it has feelings because we have feelings. We are a unit of feeling. You understand? Value and meaning. But without that, nothing matters. We can make up some relative idea of what matters and so forth, but that's as far as it goes. So, <clears throat> the Bhagavad has, has a different approach, and, 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 and its sense of meaning and purpose and the prospect of consciousness is um, um, is very uh, deep and and, and far uh, far reaching, mm-hmm. and in there we find, amongst other stories, mm-hmm, that uh, uh, that don't fit entirely in the objective world for good reason. Don't expect them to. We're trying to take ourselves out of that objective world and that that mistaken idea that there the meaning is found. Hmm? This is the whole problem we're experiencing. This is exactly what Prabhupada would teach in in different language. Hmm? He would say, well, you know, you may think that's a fantastic story, but I think you are a bit fantastic to think that a god will have to conform to your frame of reference, which is limited by the five senses and so on and so forth. And... uh, that was good enough at the time. Now we may need a more, <laughs> there's more information around. People think about things from a lot of different angles. So we have to say it uh, perhaps in a little more sophisticated way. But it's the same truth, you see. Van Bhagavatam been speaking it for thousands and thousands of years. Hmm? It's still relevant. It's about you. Hmm? It's about us. What could be more relevant? That we are and why we are. Hmm? 
And so, entering into the Bhagavad, of course, we do, and there we find the the full-fledged um, explanation of a particular form of God that is very prominent in the sacred text. It appears originally in the Upanishads, in the Sringa Upanishad, for example, and in in, in uh, as many as 17 different Puranas, the story is told from one angle and, and another angle and a different angle. Hmm? That's how these Puranic literatures work. Hmm? Some abstract ideas are given in the Upanishads. And the Puranas, Purana means it implies uh, fullness. Hmm? Old, it means. Uh, historical, it means, Jiva Goswami says, like, to to fulfill, like, so you take an abstract truth and you turn it into a story. Hmm? So it tells the same truth, it puts it into a story. Another way to talk about it is it brings the abstract truth to life. Hmm? Story sounds, well, that's just a story, but no, it brings the abstract truth to life and gives it a shape hmm? and a form that it may be taken advantage of and participated in, in a full sense of the term, not just thought about. So the Puranas come and fulfill, if you will, extend to us more readily, in a more friendly way. They speak like a friend. The Upanishad, the Vedas speak like a king. The Puranas speak like a friend. The Kavya <coughs> speak like a lover. The Bhagavad speaks like all three. Mm. Another reason why it is the center of all the sacred uh, texts. <clears throat> there, as I say, through the Puranas, 17 different Puranas, and when it comes to the Bhagavad, mm, then the story is told in a most comprehensive way. It is the story of Narasimha that we're speaking about. Narasimha, Singha means lion. Mm. Lion is also a symbol of royalty and nobility, courage and even generosity. And um, he's thought of in different cultures as being both nocturnal and solar and lunar, hmm? ruling over the subconscious, the lunar, as it corresponds with the night uh, and, and the awake. Um, world as well, king of the beasts. So because he's a king of the beasts, he has some dignity, is the idea. So many cultures have employed the the lion as an insignia amongst the royalty or the some club with a noble idea, something like that. <clears throat> and of course, amongst the royalty of India, this might be popular also, and this referring to the avatar, the Singha. Hmm? So, and it is said that there's a lion in every man and woman in their heart. Hmm? Except for that one, and then there was that one guy, that lion, who didn't have any courage. <laughs> Such a great story. Hmm? One of the cardinal virtues, I think, must be courage, I don't know. So, hmm? every, every heart needs a lion in it, right? Hmm? It's a, it, it's a line to, to, to deal to to make their way in the world, hmm? to go courageously and with dignity, hmm? to march to the finish. Hmm? Hmm. So uh, it's not as scary as it may sound. Hmm? The lion idea and the man combining together hmm? symbolically. Hmm? Yeah. It, uh, uh, a sadhu, really, a sadhu, I mean, saying the person is this very courageous person. Mm. This is a great adventure mm. to go naked in the world, mm. depending only on God. Mm. Right? Very courageous, mm. sacrificing and so forth and so on. So it's a noble cause. Who conquers the senses is the king of the world is the lion of the world, because the senses and their demands rule over us. So if we can conquer them, then we can rule the world. 
Everyone is ruled by their senses. Torn in one direction and another direction at the same time, ruled by the mind, ruled oppressively by the mind and the senses. They have no appreciation for your service, the attention that you render them, the obedience hmm, that you so readily uh, uh, display for their demands. Hmm. And if we ask for obedience beyond the senses, then we are not sure we want to do that. Then it's a little off-putting idea. But we are obedient. Hmm? Obedient to the demands of the mind and the senses. Hmm? Come out of that. That is to be a good person, a kind person, really. Because the demand, the demand of the mind and the senses, that will make us an animal, a beast, but not a king. Hmm? A slave. Right? A dangerous person, a dangerous beast. So, no, to conquer the senses means that that pretty beam sasishyat. Bacho vegam manasakrodo vegam jiva vegam udara pasta vegam etan vegam yo vishaheta dhira saravam apimam pretty beam sasishyat. Pretty beam sasishyat. Pretty beam sasishyat. Rupa Goswami says, with all these urges, the urge to talk, the urge to eat, the, the urges of the belly, the urge of the genitals, the urge of the mind, hmm? the urge of the tongue to taste, the urge of the mind, vegam, speed manasavegam, the mind, krodavegam, the urge of anger, the force of anger, udarapasta, the, the urge of the stomach and the general genital, udarapasta vegam, etan veganyo sahitadira. Who can conquer these becomes dira. Dira means dira, 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 priya, priya, karo. Hmm. Goswamis, they were like this, dira. They're sober, undisturbed. Hmm. They could speak objectively. They could give objective advice because they were not compromised in any way. This is what we want of the royalty in a monarchical system or in our politicians in a democratic system, as may be the case, that they are impartial, not bought by the corporations. Hmm? The corporations are only extended manifestations of your own senses and mind. A fellow asked me not so long back, a young guy, he said, I was speaking about with some urgency about spiritual life, and he said, well, that's all good, but what about the fact that they're, you know, exploiting the world out there, the corporation, the multi-corporations, and, and they're doing this and they're doing that and all these and then this and they're doing and, and manipulating and, you know, what are we going to do about them? You know, talk about this, nothing but, I mean, we have immediate causes. And I said, who are they? This is my answer to him. Who are they? If you don't know, you are they. Hmm? You are complicit in that, as much as you are controlled by your senses. Hmm? That's all those multi-corporations are, They're just extensions of the same idea. Hmm? The, the, the desire to control matter, and we're all possessed of that, we're all uh, diseased in that way, hmm? to want to rule over the world. Hmm? So, doctor, cure thyself, this is the message of the Gita. You have to kill the killing tendency within you. Hmm? While they're doing it on some larger scale, you're doing it on a smaller scale. There's the difference between a blue-collar criminal and a white-collar criminal. That's all. So the yoga, spiritual life, this is a revolutionary idea. Right? Hmm? This, is to, this is to rule over the world. What a nice ruler, you understand? Who's conquered the senses and the mind. is not compromised. The Goswami, dira dira karo. Because they were dira, then the dira, in other ways, it's used. Nice people, gentle people, and rough people all appreciated them. Nirmatsaro pujito. They were worshipable by, by all people. They could give objective advice. They were not compromised in any way. They didn't need anything. So they were only fountains of of giving. If you wanted ordinary advice, they would give ordinary advice. If you wanted spiritual advice, they could give the highest spiritual advice.
advice. And even in giving ordinary advice, you would get some spiritual benefits. Mm. These kind of people, they, they do rule the world, really. Your Jesuses or your Sanarkas, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and Rumi, these people who no, nobody will ever loom more large in the world hmm, than such persons, the Perlads, hmm, for example. Hmm. They are not. They have firm ground that they're standing on. Hmm. We'll think, how are you supporting yourself there? Hmm. No, they're standing on firm ground. Hmm. So, in Bhagavad we find the story of Nishinga. Hmm? There it's told in its full. Hmm? And what do I mean by that? Just see the way in which the story is named. How is the story of Nishinga named? It's called Prahlad Charita. Hmm? There are nine chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam dealing with Narasimhadev, and they're called Pralajarit. This is a very nice and significant point. This is how the Bhagavatam is the real fruit, the ripened fruit. Of all the texts, that the texts are a tree with many branches, the Bhagavatam is the fruit and the ripe fruit. Nigamakulpataro galitam falam. Falam galitam falam. Galitam means fallen. Falam means fruit. It's the fruit and it's fallen from the tree. <coughs> and it's ripe. And you can go and just pick it up. You don't have to climb the tree and risk your life and out on a limb and so forth. The Bhagavatam so generous. Hmm? Other spiritual practices are troublesome. They say sometimes, watch out, your kundalini may explode, and <laughs> all these ideas. The Bhagavatam, not like that. The Bhagavat practice, it's very nice. Bhagavatam gives itself to you so generously, especially through the hands of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When the fruit is there, you go and pick it up. And it has no pit, it has no, no, no rind, no, 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 no skin. It's rasam, just juice. And this is how to understand this point. Hmm? All the other literatures, they tell the story of Nishringa in different ways, to different extents, and they, this is how these texts work. They take narratives that have their origins largely in the Upanishads in abstract form, and they're told in the more concrete forms, which make them more accessible, which bring them alive, make, bring them to life, if you will, in a very practical sense. Hmm? For example, in the Upanishads, we have some kind of like an idea of an artist. In the Puranas, we have the drawing, you know, so that it's uh, it's completing the idea, and then making it possible for one to participate in it, hmm? to reciprocate with it, with all the senses, not just in some abstract way. Hmm? So it brings the idea to life. Hmm? Hmm? And and so that and the stories are passed around through the different Puranas and told in different ways, but different angles for different types of people in the Bhagavatam is for what kind of people? Hmm? Satam hmm? Pujitam like the Goswamis, without any envy. Hmm? These kind of people. Honest people, thoroughly honest. Thoroughly honest, they have to admit we are the they. Hmm? We are the problem as we think of ourselves, identified with the body-mind complex and so forth. Hmm? Hmm. We are the beast. Hmm. We are the hunters. Hmm. Don't complain about being hunted if you're hunting. Hmm. This is the idea. So stop the hunting. Hmm. Right. You'll never get that lion. <laughs> you never can. He's ruling. Narasimhadeva's ruling. But but you can become. You can conquer him, even. You can you want to conquer, you want to rule, you can conquer God by becoming like Prahlad. Hmm? Prahlad means joy. Hmm? Prahlad Charit, the story is now takes a different name. The other pranas, it's about Bhagavan, it's about God. 
in this form. It's told in different ways. But in Bhagavatam, what part of the story is told? The whole story is told, but the way it's told with such details is to bring out the bhava, the prem, the love of Prahlad. Do you understand? The, the prem is more important. The love of God that corresponds with the object of love. This is the subject of the Bhagavatam. And while they're in a, interpenetrable, love and the object of love, hmm? the Bhagavatam is emphasizing the love. And that's the way and that's the goal at the same time. That's the path and that's the destination. And there you find Narasimha, like you won't find him anywhere else. Hmm? In the heart of Prahlad. Hmm? He has different manifestations. Hmm? But uh, as we see him in Bhagavatam, this is a full full form corresponding entirely with the heart of Prahlad. So nine chapters. Hmm? That's a considerable. Um, there's no other uh, narrative of any other avatar that compares. The longest narrative, of course, in the Bhagavatam is the story of Krishna. Hmm? The second is. Narasimha, hmm? nine chapters. Hmm. And if we study Prahlad a little bit, we see that he was a devotee of Krishna. Again and again throughout those nine chapters it is mentioned. His Ishta Devata, his deity, was Krishna. Krishna. Hmm? He worshipped in Vaidhi Bhakti, Krishna. Hmm? And so it was Krishna who came hmm? in the form of Narasimha uh, to answer the need of Prahlad. <coughs> Therefore it is described while Krishna is Sadashvarya Purna, he manifests all six opulences by which Parashuram said one can understand Bhagavan who is all attractive, all strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, renunciation, um, wealth. Um, people who have these things to one extent or another are attractive. Who has all in full is all attractive is the idea. So Krishna shows all in full. Ramchandra shows all in full. Hmm? Ramchandra's avatar also. Hmm? And Bhagavan Nishinga, these three. Hmm? So he's very special. We can say Narayan avatar, but actually coming out of the meditation of Prahlad on Krishna. Hmm? Depending on, it is, it's not, among many other things, it is a story of Sharanagati hmm? and the complete dependence, if you will, on one's maintenance and protection, hmm? for one's maintenance and protection, complete dependence on Bhagavan. Rakshikshati Vishvashva Gopritve Bharanam Tata. Prahlaja with this ground of Sharanagati, that, that Shraddha, faith, Corresponds with it's an external expression manifestation of that that faith. Hmm? <clears throat> so Prahlad Charit, I mean, Bhagavatam speaks about love of God. Hmm? You study Brihad Bhagavatam, this the book of Sanatana Goswami. It's telling you what the Bhagavatam is about. What is it about? Two things. What is the highest love, and what is the place that corresponds with it? Hmm? There should be a. a a transcendental geographic place that corresponds with the love that it might be expressed. Hmm? So it goes through the ladder of love and the corresponding places. Hmm? That's what the book does. And this is what the Bhagavatam is about. Hmm? You understand? Hmm? Hmm. It's essential, you see. You have to understand the It's a big book, difficult to understand. Hmm? So many things, 18,000 verses and 10, 12, 12 cantos, so many chapters, hmm, hundreds of chapters, 330-some chapters in a different language, an old book on the shelf. What will that what, return to show? This has meaning, value, purpose, and so forth. <coughs> Bhagavatam, of course, other Puranas speak about Prahlad also to some extent. But the Bhagavatam showcases his good qualities and more so the depth of his internal devotion. This is brought out again and again in the chapters. Hmm? In the beginning, in the very description of Prahlad and his youth and so forth, and in the end when Bhagavan Nishinga appears. Hmm? 
and, and give, offers him a benediction. Hmm. And Prahlad says, Amikichuchaina. He didn't speak Bengali, but <laughs> I don't want anything. I don't want anything. Hmm. I'm full, just in your, in your bhakti. And the Shringa says, I'm God. You've got to take something. I, that's what I do. I give blessings to people. That's what people think I'm about. I give blessings. That's what they want me for. Surely you want a blessing, don't you? And all the gods and the goddesses are watching and like trembling because Narasimha has just raised his mane and roared and destroyed the Hiranyakasipu. We'll go into all these things in other days. But And the gods are all trembling. Why are they all trembling? Because they all want something. Wanting something makes you fearful. Prahlad had no desire. He had no fear. And the fierce form of God, God will only seem fierce if we want something. Or at a distance. Or If we don't want anything, then we'll be much closer to God because he's not a thing. And neither are we. But to speak, if we only want to love him. Well, he roared like a lion and all the gods and goddesses trembled. In the heavens, as it's described, from Prahlad's perspective, he was purring like a kitten, <laughs> only. Hmm? And he pressed his hand on Prahlad. Prahlad said, I don't want anything. He must take something. He tested him again and again. He's showing all the gods and goddesses. You see, you're big people with all kinds of powers and big positions. This is just a five-year-old boy. Hmm? Hmm? I came for him. Hmm? You want me for this and that. See, he didn't even come. You have to understand the story. That Hiranyakasipu, his father, was, was, was harassing the whole universe, as the story goes. Right? Harassing all the gods and goddesses. Kicked Indra out of heaven, practically. I mean, and Vishnu just was not involved. He didn't get involved. Huh? The gods are fighting with the demons again. <laughs> Let them go at it, you know. Uh, this is only the interaction of sattva, rajas, and tamas, and that's all. Tamas will pre- sattva will prevail over time, and so time is lends itself to sattva. They'll make their way. Things will get back in balance. Uh, they're calling me to come and take. Yeah, I'm not interested in this. But when Prahlad became part of the picture, then nothing goes there. Hmm? You understand? This is a, so many nice teachings. Hmm? He comes for this, for Prahlad's bhakti. Hmm? And he wanted to showcase it to all the heavens, to teach through the boy, all the gods and goddesses, what is my bhakti? He has no fear. He doesn't want anything. Well, you understand what I mean. If you want something, you have anxiety. Hmm? You try it. <laughs> as soon as you want something, there's some anxiety. You know? <laughs> How will I get And so forth. He had no such anxiety, no fear. Peaceful. And he had love for Bhagavan, complete dependence and confidence in him and so forth. So he appeared for him. So this is a brief kind of idea. But I want to go from here from the Bhagavatam and the basic descriptions to the extension of the Bhagavatam, the Chaitanya Bhagavata. The Bhagavata is a book about Bhagwan, about Prem, about love for Bhagwan. It's an ongoing story. And the and the Swayam Bhagavan, the full idea of Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, the source of all the avatars and so forth, all manifestations of divinity. Perfect object of love, and as he, out of necessity of his own lila, hmm, manifests an encore lila in the form of gore lila. Hmm. So the Bhagavatam must continue the story. You cannot leave that detail out, hmm, and thought you have told the story of Sri Krishna. Hmm, you understand? Slight detail. Hmm. When does it happen? Right in the center of the book. Hmm? Right in the very climax of the book in the Rasa Leela, hmm? and Bhagavan Sri Krishna find we find him longing to 
feeling he needs to pay Radha back in kind, and he cannot do so. So he makes a pledge to make devotees for her. I will become a sadhu and make devotees for you in the world once in the day of Brahma. Once in every day of Brahma, I will come and do this in the world. This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's right in the Bhagavatam. So, this is a part of his life. You need to play that story out if you're paying attention. This is what the Goswamis, the, the Chaitanya Bhaktas do. They, they say, well, this is the story of Krishna. How can you leave this part out? We need a Chaitanya Bhagavat. We need another 18,000 verses and more. Is it this, just this one part of one pastime, right? which is so central at the same time. So in Chaitanya Bhagavat, we go from Krishna Lila to Gaur Lila, and it's appropriate for us to speak first about Gaur Lila hmm, before speaking about Krishna Lila, and that in terms of corresponding Lila's between the two. Because if Krishna, if Gaur is Krishna, if Chaitanya is Krishna coming, hmm, then there will be some correspondence between the two. Leelas, and we find that in Gaur Leela. We find, oh, you, you can understand, it's Krishna, he's doing this, he's doing this again, he's doing this again, a little differently, he's having this, replaying this pastime, this Leela, isn't it? Hmm? Very beautiful how the Gaudias have sorted all that out and pointed to the fact that hmm, he's not an avatar of Krishna, he's Krishna himself, hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And so, similarly, if we were to speak about Bhagavan Nasringa Leela, because, as I say, he's a, a manifestation of Krishna from the heart of Prahlad, just fine-tuned for the circumstances. We'll hear about that, why he appeared exactly the way he did in that form, just fine-tuned for the necessity of Prahlad and his love, hmm? and, and to demonstrate that spiritual people are smarter than material people. Hmm? We'll hear that. <laughs> this his form is showing that. Uh, that the Bhagavatam's idea is better than the materialistic idea. This is brought up very beautifully in the very form of Shringa. We, we talked a little bit about it in the beginning. Hmm? His form illustrates this point in itself. Hmm? So, so we go then to Gaur-lila. Hmm? We should, <coughs> before speaking about Nishringa-lila, we speak about Nishringa-lila in relation to its expression in Gaur-lila to some extent. We did that a little bit this morning when we read from Chi Chaitanya Charitamrita how Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev began the Sankirtan movement and how there was objection <coughs> on the part of the Muslims and the Chandkazi, the ruler, went to some house where Sankirtan was being performed under the auspices, under the auspices of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and said, stop it and broke the drum. Don't do that here anymore in my kingdom. Hmm? And so the devotees, they were nervous, and Mahaprabhu said, I'm going to go out and chant, don't worry. So he, he, they chanted for some time, and then Mahaprabhu said, anyway, you come, we'll go tonight, we'll go to the Chandakazi's house. With, by torchlight, 100,000 devotees will go to his house and um, see what he thinks then. So mass <laughs> protest, and they went to the house of the Chand Ghazi, and the Ghazi came out, and there was some discussion, and so forth, and and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked him a question, that the Sankirtan is going on, although you came and said, if it doesn't, if it continues, then you're going to, you know, you're going to close everybody down, you're going to convert every Hindu into a Muslim. This is here, by force. It was that, they had a system that they thought was constituted a conversion, pollution of the, of the Hindu um, in terms of their uh, standards of purity and so forth. Hmm? So we're going we're gonna, to... He said that what you're going to do, but the Sankirtan is still going on. Why is that? Why didn't you stop it? Could you tell us that? He said, well, could I talk to you in private about that? Could we step aside for a moment? He said, he said, he said, there no, there, there's, there's no public here. Hmm. One time a fellow asked me, here, or just over, actually in some east, back east, more towards your place in Raleigh, I was at a person's house, 
speaking, he said, uh, Swami, uh, don't you think that the spiritual practice and is, is for, you know, inside life and not for showing in the public? Hmm. And you are showing in the public, chanting, and it's a little, it's not enough for internal life. I said, well, the spiritual life is for <laughs> making the external life one with the internal life. That's what it is for. Hmm. Not that you have one face externally and another face internally. Hmm. In the temple I will act one way, and outside then I can do whatever I want. God is not only in the temple. <laughs> no. We go in the temple to learn not to, how to act in the temple, but how to act everywhere. You have to universalize the deity or see the universality of the deity. That's the purpose. But here in Ashingho, Hridayi in Ashingho, he's outside, he's inside, he's everywhere. Right? So Mahaprabhu said these are all private people, and public, we're all private and public, there's no difference. These people and I are one. My devotees and I are one. I have no secrets for my devotees. And they have no secrets for me. Hmm? This is love. Hmm? They keep no secrets for me. They give their heart to me. Where all the secrets are. I know all their secrets. And I give my heart to them. Hmm? Tell us, what's in your heart? And why did you not stop the Sankirtan? Go ahead, speak. It's a protected environment here. We are all friends. Hmm? Then he said it. That night I went home. I went to sleep. And in the night, I saw a lion, a man with a lion's head, roaring, very angry at me. And he jumped on my chest. And he said, don't you ever do that again. That drum, that simple clay drum, the Murdung is a clay drum. It's a very simple instrument. It's a folk instrument. It's not a sophisticated, fine-tuned, you know, percussion instrument. Very simple. Hmm? It's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's very simple instruments. The car, toll, and the coal. Car, toll, the symbol, and the coal. Give your heart. Hmm? This is rag bhakti. The ingredients are not so important. Giving the heart is important. It's not a sympathy, musical sympathy. It's, a, it's an appeal of the heart. As I said before the other day, sometime back, it's not a form of entertainment. Kirtan cannot be a form of entertainment. Because in entertainment, we are the object that's being offered to us. Kirtan must be offered to Bhagavan. Both the chanter and the hearer. It's not, it's not for entertainment. It's not for entertaining us. You understand? It's for us leaving the desire to be entertained, getting off the throne, right? And becoming a servant. This is what is kirtan for us. We're changing our whole, from the enjoying spirit to the serving spirit. So when they say, kirtan was ecstatic, well, it really got moving in there. This is questionable <laughs> how much you were involved in kirtan. You're making some noise. It may have sounded good to the ears, worked well with the mind, but did it change the heart? Did it move the heart? Did it melt the heart? Did it make you cry how bad I am how and how lucky I am? How insignificant I am, I should say, and how fortunate I am that such a thing has come to me, such a wealth of opportunity. I cannot put it in words. And I have no reason, and no, no I, it's not that I did something, therefore I'm worthy. I was just walking around. <laughs> right? And then I got bumped into by this. Bhakti bumped into me. Hmm? She has her, her ways, who she chooses, why, why she chose me, I don't know. That may be an instrument by which she will choose everybody. Every, every person, every animal, every stone, every plant. This should be shared. Hmm? This wealth should be given to the world. Goloked Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan is the wealth of Goloka, of the place of Krishna. It comes in the form of this chanting. So he said, 
Fed Man Lion jumped on my chest and said, that's my favorite instrument. Hmm. That Murdangam in Gaur Leela is a manifestation of the flute in Krishna Leela. You play the flute and the gopis all come, the cowards come, the cows come. Hmm? The transcendental pied piper, transcendental cupid. And in Gaur Leela, the, the flute takes the form of the drum hmm? and calls to the hearts of the people. Hmm? The kirtan, come, come and give your heart. So he said, don't do that again. Hmm? I'm warning you. <laughs> and then he said, and look. And the Kazi was telling the story, he opened his shirt, and there were scratch marks on his chest. All the devotees looked you know, in, in wonder at the claw marks and then at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Where are we? They thought. Where have we come? Where is this kirtan taking us? Hmm? The story of the Bhagwat of Nishinga just one of, has come to life here in Gaur Leela. Nishinga hmm? is present in the Leela, protecting over the Sankirtan. And we were worried. Chaitanya hmm? Mahaprabhu don't worry. You do kirtan. Nothing will, you'll never have any problem. Do kirtan, you'll never have anything to worry about. Hmm? And now we realize. In the form of Mishinga, he's the protector of the kirtan. Prabhupada introduced Bhagavan Mishinga to his disciples through the prayer we sang hmm, in the context of protecting the kirtan. Because we would go out and do kirtan, like on Hollywood Boulevard. Hmm. <laughs> and we would get harassed sometimes by people and so forth. Or in New York also, <coughs> on the streets. So he introduced this, you chant this hymn to the Shingha. He likes kirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very much. Hmm? After he killed Hiranyakashipu, hmm? where did he go? Hmm? He washed his hands first. This is in South India. Hmm? There's a river there where he washed his hands. And then he went to Navadweep. Nishingapole, hmm? Devapole. Where? Navadweep means nine islands. The nine islands, they correspond with the nine forms of bhakti, hearing, chanting, meditating, worshipping the deity, and so on. Hmm? Where did he go? He went to Gurdum. Hmm? They also correspond, uh, they're different sentiments, hmm? to one extent or another. Hmm? Gurdum is the friendly island. Hmm? Nandagram is there. Hmm? Hmm? There, the island of Sakya. Hmm? And in the house of Nanda Maharaj, who is the deity? It is Nishingadev. In Krishna Leela, the deity is Nishinga Bhagavan. He had the Shalagram, he worships Nishinga for the protection of Krishna, he thinks. Protect my son, Krishna. <laughs> so he went to his place in Navadvip, in Godrum. The island represents Kirtan. That is the way to understand Krishna. There's no way. There's no other way, no better way, especially in Kali Yuga. He went to celebrate the Kirtan of Kali Yuga in Godrum. He took, touched down there as a shrine, honoring him in that place, Vidi of Narasimha. In Godrum, the island of Kirtan, there's an entry point for Sakirasa in Gaurila, in Godrum. Bhaktivinoda Thakur lived there, of course. It's from there that he envisioned Mayapur, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Antardweep. Antardweep is the center of the nine islands. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur, as the Yogapit, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was gradually established, which he envisioned from his rooftop in Godrum. He had a mystical vision because he was trying to recover, uncover where were the place that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was born. He was doing empirical evidence by studying ancient manuscripts and so forth, an internal pursuit with the tools offered from the Bhagavatam. Hmm? And these two came together, and he had a vision. And then he went and it was empirically verified to his satisfaction and the satisfaction of the thinking people of the time. And the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was established. 
There was a false place that people were claiming, and they were bilking pilgrims, pilgrims coming there. Hmm? Maybe they thought it was the place, but Bhaktivinoda made a big effort to establish the real place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birth. So he saw it from his rooftop in Godrum, and after it was established, and the worship going on, then he saw another thing from his rooftop. He saw, seems like every morning, there's like a, like a, like a, seems like there's a wind that goes down, down a road, hmm? from Godrum to the yoga pit. And then one morning he realized, oh, it's Nishringa going to the Mongol Arctic every morning hmm? at the yoga pit there at the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's there for the Mongol Arctic. Wouldn't miss it. Hmm? He came to Navadweep for this reason, to glorify his own appearance <coughs> in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? He's a prominent player in Gaur Leela. But what do we think in Gaur Leela? We are interested in, in Krishna Leela and the love of Radha and Krishna. What does Nisringadev have to do with that? Well, he apparently likes the kirtan. Hmm? That is the that is the, that is the way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is given. Hmm? But there are some other examples we can draw upon. Hmm? Gopal Bhatta Goswami, hmm? one of the principal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? he had a, a number of the shaligram, the stones from the Gandaki River that represent Vishnu, that he was worshipping. Hmm? And on the day of the Shinga Chaturdasi, that we're celebrating. It's actually coming officially on Tuesday, but we're celebrating for a few days ahead of time. On that day, he was meditating very intensely upon what? The bhakti of Prahlad. Hmm. Humbly thinking, what is, what, what is my bhakti compared to Prahlad's? Hmm? He was meditating. And then he was to think, to think that, that, that Bhagavan Nishring had come out of the stone hmm? pillar, right? to protect him and so on and so on. He was thinking about this deeply. Mm-hmm. And, and and also they say desiring to have a deity to worship Krishna. Mm-hmm. And that you can dress and decorate it's a little difficult to do with the Shaligram, something like that. Some people make that point as well. But this is the main point. Mm-hmm. He was absorbed in the, in the, in what is the Bhakti of Prahlad. You see these are not things that oh well the Ragnuga Bhakti we're not interested in that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard regularly Prahlad Charit from the mouth of Gadadha Pandit, the Radha of Gaur Leela. What kind of Bhagavatam class that must have been? Hmm? Well, we feel humbled to think what, what, what would be told there and how they told the same story, how Gadadha went through the nine chapters. When he finished, started over again. Hmm? He touched on other chapters, but this is emphasized in Chaitanya Bhagavat story of Prahlad, so much meaning there, so much footing, hmm? real, real footing in bhakti. Hmm? This is what Prahlad represents, real footing, standing in, in, in bhakti proper. And then from there it may grow. But without that standing, Sam Raghunuga Bhakti, who cares for Nishingadeva or Prahlad, I'm not interested in that. You've got to start over, you don't understand. What is Rag Bhakti? All of that is in Prahlad, is included in there. Hmm. Hmm. All the Sharanagati and so forth. So here's Gopal Bhatta Goswami. He's a manjari, hmm. handmaiden of Radha. Hmm. And in his sadhaka day, in his practitioner's body, the Shringa Chaturdasi, he's meditating on Prahlad Charit. Hmm. And in the morning, when he went to open the basket, he had these shilas in, his stones. Hmm. It was looked like it was they were covered like with a cloth, but it, it was like looked like there was something inside there because the, this, the cloth was kind of sticking up. He thought maybe there was a serpent that got in there. So he was careful. He uncovered the cloth, and from the stone hmm, of Vashila, maybe Nanshin Vashila, hmm, a deity came out. And you can see him today. This shoulder here and this hip here, like the form of the stone, hmm? he manifests. That is called Radha Raman. Hmm? So we might learn something about Radha Raman, about Radha Krishna from Narasimhadeva and Prahlad Charit. <laughs> it's possible. This happened in Gaur Leela. 
in the, through the in the in the life of Gopal Bhatta, contemporary um, disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? and the whole temple has been built, and centuries of worship have gone on about Radharamandi, centuries after century after century. Hmm? Over fifty families take care of the deity. Hmm? They trade off. It's your time. You have your month, and that family worships the deity and does all the cooking and everything. And then next goes on like this. Gopal Bhatta had a powerful experience, and they're honoring that experience and worshiping that experience. So beautiful. Jiva Goswami, he had a deity of Nishingadeva also. You can find him in Jayapur. I've gone there. Had the darshan of that deity. Hmm. Shingadeva is the deity of Sridharswami, the famous commentator on the Bhagavatam that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave deference to. Hmm? Goswami's commentaries, Vishwanath Chakravitakur's commentary, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami's commentary, they regularly refer to Sridharswami, and Sridharswami has said the rest. Sridharswami, I'm just repeating what Sridharswami said. Then they add something. So they're always deferring to him. Hmm? story of Sridharaswami's commentary on the Bhagavatam is, is nice. He wrote the commentary on the Bhagavatam and in Banaras, and Banaras is a place of, not of bhakti, but of jnana. And, and uh, so the, the, the interpretation of the Bhagavatam was not, it was a bhakti interpretation, which it so much lends itself to, of course. It was in question, so they put the book before the deity of Shiva there. Hmm. And then this verse came out, how it came out, I don't know, but then it came out, and what do they say? Uh, something like, Vyaso Veti, Sukho Veti, Hum Veti, Raju Veti, Hum Veti. Sukadev knows the meaning of Bhagavatam. Um, Parikshit, the Raj, he may know, he may not know. But one thing's for sure, Sridhar Swami knows, by the mercy of Nishingadev. So that was his deity. So, Diva Goswami, he worshipped Nishingadev, and of course, Diva Goswami knows the meaning of Srimad Bhagavatam. That's for sure. So when I went there and I had the darshan of the deity, then I made a prayer to Sridhar Swami. He gave me a blessing to understand Srimad Bhagavatam, like Diva Goswami. And then Shingadev can give such understanding of Bhagavatam, and he has some role to play in our lives in pursuit of the worship of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? Hmm. <coughs> there are more other examples of how uh, Shingadev has played a role, a significant role in the Gorli. These are a few nice, uh, nice points for us to contemplate and dwell on. And we'll continue our discussion. Uh, there's another figure, of course. I'm introducing the, the figures, the players. Uh, we've introduced Prahlad and we've introduced Nashingadev. Now, tomorrow, we have to introduce Ranyakasipu. <laughs> he has to be a bad guy in a, in a drama, right? That's us. Prahlad <laughs> uh, is Prahlad is Prahlad is a daitya, and Nashing is is, is divine. Hmm? Nishing is ferocious, and Prahlad is, is uh, so gentle. And you know, these two are one. This is a chanty beda beda. They're contradictory, but they're one. We'll talk about that more. Any question? Yes. Well, let me do one thing before we go to the question, because I want to conclude this discussion with... Unfortunately, the Bengali is not in here. It's very beautiful. We used to sing this every day in, in Adaria. <coughs> Hmm. Cut copies of it, my language. We do. Um, it should be on some loose pages, Marsh. Yeah. Loose pages, Marsh. No, not in there. No. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll read the English here. We've gone for some time. Bhakti Vinod Thakur is writing about Navadweep. He says, Southeast, in the southeast is Nishingapuri, hmm? also known as, known as Devapali. When will I see the beauty of this place? At this abode 
of Narsimha. I will roll about on the ground in ecstatic love, begging for unalloyed love of Krishna. In my heart reside duplicity and sincerity, desire for fame, the six enemies beginning with lust. He's saying, in my heart resides Hiranyakashiku. Such is my position. Therefore, I will pray at the feet of Sri Narasimha to purify my heart and give me the desire to serve Krishna. Weeping, I will beg at the lotus feet of Nisringa that I may worship Radha and Krishna in Navadweep, free from all obstacles. When will that Lord Hari, who strikes fear in fear, personified, be pleased and bestow his mercy on me? Although this form of the Lord is terrible for the evil, he is exceedingly auspicious for the devotees headed by Prahlad. When will he become pleased to mercifully speak to me, a worthless fool, and remove my fears? When will he say, Dear child, stay here happily in Gordam, worship Radha and Krishna, and develop attraction for the holy name. By the mercy of my devotees, all obstacles are transcended. With a purified heart, just worship Radha and Krishna, the abodes of sweet nectar. After speaking in this way, when will Nishingadev joyfully place his feet upon my head? At that moment, by Nishinga's mercy, I will exhibit symptoms of ecstatic love for Radha and Krishna, and I will roll on the ground by the door of Lord Nishinga's temple. Shri Bhakti Thakur Ki Jai, Bhagavan Shri Nishingadev Ki Jai, Sriman Bhakti Prahlad Maharaj Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premanandi. Yes. So I just had a question. Um, you were talking about how Nani Maharaj had a deity of Lord Nishingadev that he worshipped to protect Krishna. And, um, I've, you know, I've heard many times that householders should not worship the form of Ugrinishrina because um, he comes and he destroys all material desires. So therefore, householders should not worship him. Householders should worship him. Exactly. Yeah, that's backwards idea. They say, oh no, only brahmacharis can worship nursing. You have to be pure. They say like that sometimes. Otherwise, they'll be habit. But what will the habit be? That your material desires will be taken away, your life will be ruined. <laughs> How fortunate. <laughs> um, you said that um, Lord Nishringadev possesses all six opulences in full. Did you say something about the opulence of beauty? You know, he's very beautiful in the eyes of Prahlad. Hmm. He's very beautiful. Yeah. Okay, we'll stop there. We'll talk more tomorrow. Sivan Shingabhagwan Gijai. Go Premanandi.